ask you a question. How many of you have a relative, a loved one, who does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Someone you, you care about deeply, but they're not a follower of Christ. There's nothing concrete in their life you can point to and say, I know for a fact that person loves Jesus. They're saved and they have a relationship with Jesus. Do you have a friend like that? How many of us in this room have a, a neighbor, co-worker? Maybe it's a classmate. Somebody we hang out with at a club or some local organization and they don't know the Lord. Or maybe it's someone that's kin to us or we, we know, we have a relationship with. And the truth is, we don't know what their spiritual situation is. We, we don't know if they're following Christ. I mean, we just don't know anything about them. I would say most of us in this room know people that are not following Christ, don't live for the Lord. And what I want to do today is I invite you to open your Bible to the book of First or Second Corinthians, rather, Second Corinthians chapter 4, is, is I want to help us wrap our mind around their reality. I want to help us understand what the Bible says is the reality for that person you know, whether it's a cousin, a niece, an uncle, a brother, a parent, a grandchild, a neighbor, friend, co-worker. Wrap our mind around that person's reality from, from God's perspective. What does God say about that person? Because too often we forget. And um, we're going to do that by looking at a lot of Bible passages. So there's a lot of ground to cover. We, we're going to travel fast, okay? But I also want to help you think about it by, by just asking this. How many of you as a parent or a grandparent have ever had a child, you know, a preschooler, four years old, five years old, six years old, get away from you? You were at the mall, you were at a restaurant, you were in some department store, and, and you turned for just a second, and next thing you know, you couldn't find them. Anybody been there? I'll admit, yeah, I've been there a time or two. And so you start frantically looking through all the racks and you know, until you can find them. Can I get a witness? Anybody experience that? All right, there's this family. They're Christmas shopping at one of the large malls up in Chicago, and all of a sudden, little five-year-old Matthew gets away, and they can't see him. And they look frantically nearby, no Matthew, so the family divides and goes separate directions. And Dad walks outside, wading through the snow, yelling as loudly as he could, Matthew, Matthew. And he said he was really self-conscious about it, but he was so f afraid, you know, he, he got over the embarrassment. But no Matthew. Goes back inside the mall to the prearranged meeting place, and Mom had not found Matthew. Grandma had not found Matthew. And they looked up, and here came Grandpa walking, holding Matthew's little hand. Grandpa had found him. Do you know where Grandpa, Grandpa found Matthew? In the candy store. Matthew was, he, he was standing there with his hands behind his back when Grandpa found him, and, and, and his head, upper body was just swaying like this as he was surveying all his options. Matthew didn't know he was lost, didn't know he was missing, didn't know his family was in a panic looking for him. And the reality of the people you know who are not committed followers of Jesus Christ is like little Matthew. Most of them don't know they're lost. Most of them don't know they're spiritually missing. Now, some do, but most of them don't. 
And they're standing there with their hands behind their back looking at all the beautiful things in life, rocking back and forth, surveying the beautiful options, not knowing there are people who care about them that are petrified, that are searching for them because they're spiritually lost. But let me say something else. See, I think those of us who are followers of Jesus have a problem. You know what our problem is? Most of us have stopped searching for those lost ones we know. Too many times we spend our days, we just keep shopping in the mall. And our Matthews are out there spiritually lost, mesmerized by the world without God. And rather than searching for them, rather than being concerned about them, we're still shopping in the mall of life. So I want to remind us from Scripture of their reality so God can use that to impact us and, and cause us maybe to spend some of our time, instead of shopping for ourselves, searching for those in our lives who are lost and don't know they're lost. Maybe God can shake some of us out of some of our complacency. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, notice what God says. Even if our gospel, the, the good news of Jesus Christ and forgiveness and salvation, if our gospel is veiled, if it's covered over, if it's hidden, if you will, it is veiled, it is hidden to those who are perishing. In whose case the God of this world, who's the God of this world? Satan, the devil, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Why? so that they might not see the light of the gospel and of the glory of Christ. God says the reality of that person whose name came to your mind a few moments ago, that cousin, that relative, that neighbor, that co-worker, that friend at school, God said the reality, whether they know it or not, and even if you've forgotten it, He said their reality is that Satan has blinded them. They're staring at the candy on the counter. He has spiritually blinded them because he does not want them to become believers. He does not want them to know the gospel and have their lives transformed by the presence and power of Christ. And so he blinds them. And too often we reach a point as Christians where we don't think about that. We forget about that. So I want us to look at their reality. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at their reality in the here and now, right now in this life while they live. Then we're going to look at what the Bible says about their reality in the next life once they die. And then ask ourselves, what are we going to do about that? And while you're opening your Bible to the Gospel of John, I just want to point your attention to some verses that will be on the screen and are on the note sheet that's in your bulletin this morning. And it's this. The Bible says all have sinned. And they've fallen short, come short of the glory of God. Now, all of us in this room, including me, we're all sinners. But the, here's the difference. Those of us who are following Jesus are no longer accountable for our sins. They've been dealt with. They've been forgiven. 
But those people you know and I know who are not following Christ, who are not committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, they not only are still sinners, they are still accountable for their sin. They are still responsible for their sin and all of the consequences that come with it. And you're going to understand as we work through these Bible verses how significant, how serious that really is. Notice on the screen and in your notes what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. He said, remember that you were at that time, talking to those of us who are now Christians, followers of Christ, remember before, before you became a follower of Christ, he says, that at that moment, in that past life, you were separate from Christ, having no hope and without God in the world. That before you became a follower of Jesus Christ, you were separated from Christ. You weren't part of Christ. You had no relationship with him. And you had no hope for eternity. And you were without God. God was not part of your life. Separated from Jesus and without God day after day after day. That was your life before Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, that is the reality of the people you know who are not followers of Jesus Christ right now. Separated from Christ, no hope for eternity, and without God in this world, in this life, right now. Now notice what Jesus said in John chapter 8. Look at it up here. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. You are of your father, the devil. Jesus is saying, if you truly are a child of God, you would love me. If you don't love me, Jesus said, that indicates you're not a child of the Father. Instead, he said, you're a child of your father, the devil. Now, how many times have you heard someone say, it's very popular in our culture today, we're all children of God. You ever heard that? We're all children of God. And I know what people mean by that. But that's not a very accurate biblical statement. What the Bible teaches is that each and every one of us are creations of God. He created us. He loves us. Everyone is a person for whom Jesus died. Everyone is a person for whom he offers forgiveness and life. We're all creations of God. But the Bible teaches that the only people who are biblically, truly children of God are those who have been spiritually born into the family of God because they've given their lives to Jesus Christ. Because when you are a child of God, you love Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if God is your father, you love me. Meaning if you don't love me, he's not your father. And if God's not your father, guess who is? That's the reality of the people you know who are not loving Jesus Christ, who are not followers of Jesus Christ. And it's it's not a pleasant picture, is it? The Apostle Paul in the book of Acts said this, in chapter 26, he was describing his, his call from Jesus to missions and ministry and preaching. And he said, what Jesus told me to do was to preach and in so doing, open their eyes. Remember, the devils blinded them. Open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion or the kingdom or the rule of Satan to the kingdom, the dominion, the rule of God. You see... People who are not following Christ not only are not in the family of God, not only is God not their father, not only is Satan their true father, even if they are not aware of it, but the Bible says they're in the dominion, they're in the kingdom, 
of the evil one. They're in the kingdom of the evil one. They belong to his family, to his domain. Now, I want you to notice some things Jesus said about this. Turn in your Bible to John chapter 3. Jesus is talking to a very religious man named Nicodemus. I want us to notice three things he said in this chapter, okay? John chapter 3, look first at verse 18. Jesus said, He who believes in him, believes in himself, believes in Jesus, is not judged, or your Bible may translate it condemned because the word means both. Judgment, condemnation. So he who believes in Jesus is not judged, not condemned. He who does not believe has been judged or condemned already. Present tense. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, here's one of the mistakes we make. We have this image in our mind, we're all going to die, stand before God on the judgment day. God will open all these books, look at all the things we did, good, bad, etc., etc. And then on that day, at the judgment day, He will decide whether or not we get into heaven or we don't. That's not how it works. Do you know how it works? The judgment day is not God deciding anything. The judgment day, according to the Bible, is God simply announcing to the universe what is already a reality. Jesus, in this passage, said those who are not following him, who do not believe, who are not committed to him, are already under the judgment of God, already under the condemnation of God. And the judgment day is simply God announcing that reality. See, the truth is we have to move from where we are to where we need to be. We have to move from being someone who's not a follower of Christ to becoming a follower of Christ. And when that happens, we move out from under the judgment, out from under the condemnation, out from under the wrath of God into the glorious liberty of forgiveness and new life. That's the reason in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 1, the Bible says there is therefore right now no condemnation, no judgment, same word used here, to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so the judgment day is God simply announcing what is a current reality. And if you go through your life under the judgment of God, then you die still under the judgment of God. At eternity, at judgment, God simply announces it, and that's your eternity. That's the reality of those in your world who are not following Christ. See, if you, when you accepted Christ, do you, do you remember when you accepted Christ? In that moment, at that moment, you moved, you changed positions, you changed places, you changed reality. Because of Christ. Look at what he, what he said in chapter 3, verse 3. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus still speaking. He said, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, I, tr- truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, the Bible teaches you're born twice, your physical birth and then your spiritual birth, born again, born a second time. Your physical birth, your biological father, biological mother, your parents, there there comes a time in life later when you need to be spiritually born, a second birth, and, and that's when you're born into the family of God, and that's when Jesus becomes your father, and that's when you move out from under the condemnation and judgment and wrath of God into the freedom of God, the forgiveness of God, the family of God, the kingdom of God, all of that. 
And so Jesus said in John chapter 3, if you are not born again, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. What he's saying here is that person whose name came to your mind a few moments ago, unless they are born a second time, spiritually born again in a faith relationship with Jesus Christ, they're never going to see the streets of glory. They're never going to be in heaven. They will never be part of the kingdom of God, the family of God, because you have to be spiritually born in to that family. That's the reality of those who don't know Christ. Look at what else Jesus said at the end of chapter 3, verse 36. He said, the the Bible tells us here, He who believes in the Son, in Jesus, has eternal life. He who does not obey the Son of God will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on. There, There it is again. If you believe, you already have eternal life. If you're not a follower of Christ, you don't have eternal life. And the wrath of God is your reality. Notice what Jesus said in Luke's gospel. Luke's gospel, next slide. 13, he said this more than once. He said, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. The reality is your loved ones, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your classmates who are not following Christ need to repent or they will perish. And repent means you're going one direction and you choose to turn around and go a different direction. You're living for self and you turn and begin living for Christ. You turn from your sin and you turn to Jesus. It's not, listen, repentance is not just saying I'm sorry. Repentance is not simply turning over a new leaf. Repentance is an about face that says I now give my life to Jesus Christ. I turn from sin to forgiveness. I turn from Satan to Christ. I turn from this to that. There's a change. There's a decision that's made to give your life to Christ. And Jesus is saying in Luke's gospel that the people in your life who are not following Christ, who are lost, that's their reality. And if they don't repent and become followers of Christ, Jesus said, they will all in the same way perish. One more verse about the current reality. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, the Bible says, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son, the one who has Jesus, notice what He says, has life. If Jesus is in your life, then right now you already have eternal life. But if Jesus is not in your life, he who does not have the Son, the Bible says, does not have life. So if if Jesus is in your life today, you already have the gift of eternal life. But if Jesus is not in your life today, you don't have eternal life. Instead, as we've already seen, you reside under the wrath of God, the judgment of God, the condemnation of God. You're still in your sin. But what about when you die? If the reality of the people in our lives who are not following Jesus is what we've just said, what is their reality once they die? What is their reality in the next life? Well, look at what Jesus said in John chapter 8. Go ahead and turn there, please, in your Bible. John chapter 8. Open it to that chapter. Look at verse verse, um, uh, 24. John chapter 8, verse 24. Jesus speaking. And he tells us, Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, that I'm the one, you will die in your sins. See, we're all sinners. But those of us who are following Christ, that sin has been dealt with. But if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you still carry that sin. You are still responsible for that. Your loved one is still responsible for that sin and the consequences of it. And Jesus said, 
they will die in that sin. And they will take with them into the grave, take with them into the next life the consequences of that sin. They die in their sin hasn't been dealt with. The consequences of being a sinner follow them into eternity. Do you know a recent report said that almost one out of five Americans believe they will die in debt? Almost one in five believe they will die in debt. There are husbands who are going to die and leave their wives, their widows, debt to pay. But when someone dies in their sin, no one can pay that debt for them. They have to on the other side of the grave. You can't pay it for them. They pay for it because they take it with them and they pay for it. They're responsible for it. They're accountable for it. And there's no forgiveness then. They can't pay for it. Price is too big. So they spend eternity separated from God's suffering. Jesus paid for it here on the cross. And when you receive him as your Savior, as your Lord, you give your life to him, become his followers, your debt's paid. And you don't carry that with you. But when they die still in their sin, they take it with them. The debt is still owed. And it's too late for them to say, Jesus, pay it. Because the offer is only good in the here and now. The offer doesn't, is not good once you die. And so dying in our sin is serious. And so when your friends, your loved ones your neighbors die in their sin. That's a big, big deal. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 that the wages of our sin, the penalty, the paycheck for our sin is death, spiritual death, physical death, eternal death. And I want you to notice what the Bible says about the second coming of Jesus and how this is all going to work. In, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 and following, look at this. The Bible says that when Jesus comes back, when he's revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, it will be in flaming fire. It's a picture of judgment. Dealing out retribution. See, on the cross, Jesus endured the penalty, the suffering for sin. But as I said, at beyond the grave, that option is no longer available. And so when Jesus comes back, he will deal out retribution. He can't pay the penalty for them anymore. They have to pay it themselves. So he will deal out retribution to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And these will pay a penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. He's saying that, listen, that penalty is being separated from the presence of God. And from the glory that we're going to enjoy. Listen, listen. Uh, when Jesus comes back and we who are His followers are raised from the dead, it's going to be a great day. It's going to be a fun day. It's going to be a glorious day because the Bible teaches that those of us who know Christ are going to share in His glory in front of the whole universe at the second coming. We're going to enjoy all of that. Share in it. But it will be a radically different experience for those we know 
who are not followers of Jesus. They will not share in any of that glory. Instead of being giddy and excited and happy and thrilled and a big smile on their face, they are going to experience the retribution rightly deserved for their sin, the retribution you and I deserve, but we won't receive because we received Christ who'd already paid for it. It's as though the Father's saying, here's a gift, but the gift doesn't sit out there for eternity for you to pick up. The gift is here. In the here and now. And if you don't pick it up in the here and now, you can never pick it up. Dealing retribution. In the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, speaking of the resurrection, the Bible says that, notice this, many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt not everybody's going to have the same experience not only at the second coming but not everybody's going to have the same experience at the resurrection of the dead it's going to be very very different for those who follow christ and those who do not follow christ in the here and now and jesus gives us a sense of how bad it's really going to be for those we're thinking about right now who don't know christ when that day comes i want you to look in the book of matthew with me please at chapter five something jesus said about that day Matthew chapter 5, please, verses 29 and 30. Jesus is speaking. Now now listen to this. He said, if your right eye, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out. Tear it out and throw it from you, for it is better to lose one of the parts of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. Look at what Jesus said in verse 30. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. That's what Jesus said. You know, sometimes people talk like the only thing Jesus ever talked about is love. You know, just love, never talk about anything else. And Jesus did teach love, incredible love, forgiving people, loving your enemies. He showed love when he died on that cross. But love's not the only thing Jesus talked about. Do you know that in the Bible, Jesus Christ said more about hell than any other author or speaker? There's more about hell in the four Gospels of Jesus' life and teaching than there there is in any other part of the Bible. Because Jesus loved people enough, he wanted them to know the truth. Because hiding the truth from people doesn't help them. It harms them. Now Jesus is not encouraging us to go out and cut our hands off. He's using a type of speech that says, if there are things in your life that are so important to you, they're getting in the way of what really matters, you better deal with it. Because the truth is, he says, that dying in your sin, receiving that retribution at the second coming, experiencing that resurrection of shame and contempt and disgrace, 
is worse. It's worse than if you literally cut off your hand. It's worse than if you literally reached in and pulled your eyeball out. He didn't sugarcoat it. That's the reality facing people we know who don't follow Christ. Now, how many of us ever think about our lost friends and loved ones like that? You know what else Jesus said? Look in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, verses 49 and 50. He said, this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and they'll take out the wicked from among the righteous, those who are not following Christ from those who are following Christ, and will throw them into the furnace of fire. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a very vivid picture. But in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus said more about the end of time. Look at it, please. Matthew chapter 25, verses 41 and 46. In verse 41, he said, Then he will say to those on his right, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Do you know that hell was never part of God's plan for humanity? Hell wasn't created for people. Jesus said hell was created for the devil and his demons. And he placed Adam and Eve in the garden without sin, but they chose, like all of us, to sin. And if you die in your sin, the Bible says those who die in their sin are going to spend eternity in the same place that Satan and the demons are going to spend eternity. That's the the reality. That's the future reality of the people in your life who don't know Christ unless something changes. Look at verse 46. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Eternal life for those who follow Christ. Eternal punishment. Eternal suffering for those who don't. Look on the screen. Revelation chapter 14, verse 11. And the smoke of their torment, those in hell, goes up forever. They're suffering forever and ever. Notice how long it lasts. It's not temporary. There is no annihilation. Their suffering is forever and ever. Forever and ever and ever, forever and ever, and the Bible says there's no rest from it. No rest from the regrets. No no rest from the incriminations. No no rest from the pain. No rest from the, the, the sense of no hope. No rest from any of it. So here's my question to you. Do you care? Are you going to continue just shopping in the mall? Or are you going to start looking and searching for those lost ones in your life? There's a, there's a new app I just heard about for your smartphones. It's called Be My Eyes. It's for, for blind people. It's a way to help blind people. When, when they need some help, they can use that app, and, and it's a, a video chat. And so a volunteer can see what they point their camera at and talk them through whatever. 
So recently there was a man who wanted to, he, he, he wanted some milk, but he, he, he was afraid it might be outdated. He didn't know, and so he opened his app, and he, videoed, he did the video chat with a volunteer, and he pointed his camera at the jug of milk in his fridge, and the volunteer saw what he was pointing that camera at and said, if I were you, I don't think I'd drink that. We saw in the very beginning, the very first verse, that Satan has blinded the eyes of those who don't believe so they won't believe the gospel. Are we going to do anything to help them see, to move from darkness to light? Now, we can't control their response, but we can control whether or not we do anything to help them see the light, to help the blind to see. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. And if you struggle with that, I want to invite you to join me on Wednesday nights for the next seven weeks. I'm going to do some teaching on how to use your testimony to help people know your story, your experience with Jesus, how you can use that to help people know that they can have an experience with Jesus, that they can have a relationship with Jesus. And I encourage you to join me Wednesdays at 6.30. But there are some of you in this room right now, because I've been talking to Christians about us understanding the reality of our relatives and friends who don't know Christ. But some of you have been listening you saying, you know what, preacher, you're talking about me right now because I don't know Christ. I'm not a follower of Christ. And all of a sudden, as we've walked through these Bible verses, you've started to realize that your situation right now is more dire than you thought. That this is not just a religious thing. This is a life and and, and an eternity thing. And all of a sudden you're realizing your reality now and your reality in the future unless something changes. And and the good news is it can all change for you right now. It doesn't have to stay the way it is. If you choose to turn from your sin and give your life to Christ, surrender to Him, ask Him to forgive you, commit yourself to Him, become His child, become His follower, your reality will change immediately. Immediately you'll be spiritually birthed into the family of God. You you will move out from under the wrath and condemnation of God into the glorious liberty of forgiveness. And you will have eternal life both now and forever. Your reality, all, all because you choose to become a follower of Christ. And I want to invite you, I want to encourage you to do that right now. Let's stand. We're going to sing a song and pastors will be here at the front. I'm inviting you. So let's sing together. You come right now. You come quickly. A thousand times I've failed Still your mercy remains And should I As you are listening to me right now, people are kneeling at the altar, praying to God about their relationship with Him. And perhaps you're wondering what you can do to have a relationship with God. You've listened to this sermon, and all of a sudden you've realized that, you know, He's been talking about me. I am not a follower of Christ, but I want to be one. How can I become one? You can become one by committing your life to Jesus Christ and asking Him to forgive you and become your Savior. And if you'd like to do that, I'd like for you to pray this prayer with me right now. I'm going to say it, and you just repeat it. There where you are in your home or, or at wherever you're watching this broadcast, now you're saying it to God, and you have to mean it with all your heart. And if you say it to Him and you mean it, God will hear this prayer and He will answer it. So repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, 
I know I'm lost. I'm a sinner, and I'm not following you. But I want everything to be different. I believe you love me, and I believe you died for me on that cross. Right now, Jesus, I invite you into my life. I ask you to forgive me all my sins. I commit myself to you, and I receive the gift of eternal life. I will follow you. I will live for you. And Jesus, I will never be ashamed of you. I surrender my life to you right now, Jesus. I love you. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, the Bible says that God heard it. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He heard your prayer if you called on him in sincerity, and he'll answer it. And you became a follower of Christ. Now, you need to grow in your relationship with Christ, and we want to help you do that. So I want to encourage you to, to get up on Sunday morning and, and worship with us. Attend First Baptist. We have two worship services. You're welcome to attend either one. One is at 910. 10 minutes after 9 o'clock. The other is at 10.30. You can go to our website, www.fbcrockhill.org, and get more information. You can email us from that website or contact me at the address there on the screen because we have some literature we'd like to give you. We'd like to help you in your relationship with Christ because you're like a spiritual baby, and now you need to grow. We want to help you do that. Thank you for watching, and may God richly bless you.